if you've had an opportunity to look at the, the little leaflet, and you can see on the front cover uh, the passage that I particularly want us to concentrate upon this morning, or the verse, really, John chapter 3, verse 3. In reply to Nicodemus, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And uh, that is indeed our, our focus this morning. Let's pray. Father, we know that whenever the Lord speaks, he speaks the truth. And as he spoke this truth to Nicodemus so long ago, so he would speak it to each of us today. Grant us then, we pray, ears to hear and eyes to see and minds to understand what the Lord is saying and for your spirit to apply it to each of us personally. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Pardon me. There was no getting away from it because there it was, in black and white. No, actually, some of it was in black and white, but a lot of it was in technicolour. And the message was uncompromising, and it was instantly understandable. And you've got a little bit of it there on, on the newsletter. You're not a real Aussie till you've been to the ISA. You're not a real Aussie till you've been to the ISA. And you know, when, when I saw that in the tourist brochures, then that came as a bit of a shock because I'd been born in Australia, I'd grown up in Australia, I'd lived and worked in Australia, I'd been married in Australia. But apparently, until that moment when Barbara and I stepped off the inlander as it arrived at Mount Isa Station, up until that moment, I wasn't a real Aussie. People who'd been born overseas, people who were younger than me, people who had uh, only been in Australia for a short time and in fact met us at the station, they were real Aussies. But until that moment that we arrived there, we weren't. And ministers are always looking for illustrations. And that struck me, you know, there's no getting away from the parallels. You can be born into a Christian family. You can be baptised in a Christian church. You can be married in a Christian church. You can even be a member of the Christian church. But until that moment when the Holy Spirit convinces you of your sin and misery and enlightens your mind and the knowledge of Christ and renews your will and persuades and enables you to embrace Jesus Christ as he's freely offered to you in the gospel, until that time, you're not a real Christian. And that can be quite a shock, quite a shock, can't it? Now, of course, we can argue the toss, I'm sure you would, about whether you have to have been to Mount Isa to be a real Aussie. But we can't argue with what God tells us in his word about being a real Christian. So let's see what God does say. Three things, three things. You're not a real Christian, first of all, until you've been born again. You're not a real Christian until you've been born again. Now, this seems a rather remarkable thing for Jesus to be saying to Nicodemus. This, this man, Nicodemus, he was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was a teacher. And yet Jesus cuts to the quick and says, no one, 
and of course that includes Nicodemus, uh, can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. If I could paraphrase what Jesus is saying, look, Nicodemus, I know you've been circumcised. I know you attend the synagogue and the temple regularly. I know you're very strict about observing the law. I know you occupy a position of responsibility, but unless and until you are born again, you're actually an outsider. Or we can put it in other words, as Paul did when he wrote to the Christians in Rome. He said, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. And then we can can paraphrase that, put that into to Christian terms, if you can put it that way. A person is not a Christian if he or she is only one outwardly. Nor is baptism merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Christian if he or she is one inwardly. And baptism is baptism of the heart by the Spirit. Try and put yourself in Nicodemus's shoes as Jesus says this to him. And I wonder if you can almost hear Nicodemus scoffing. Am I supposed to take you seriously, Jesus? How can a man possibly be born when he is old? Are you saying that he has to re-enter his mother's womb and be born again? And if that was Nicodemus's thinking, and it was his thinking because that's what he said, uh, he is actually manifesting a very common attitude a very common outlook. He's taking in a physical sense something that is to be understood in a spiritual sense. So no, Jesus is not suggesting that Nicodemus or anyone else has to be born again as he was the first time. But he is saying to enter the kingdom of God, to be saved, to be a Christian, you need to have two birthdays. The first one is your natural birthday. As Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh. I take that to be your natural birthday. But the second one is your supernatural birthday. The spirit gives birth to spirit. The first thing we can say then, and we could say much more, but let me limit it to that. The first thing we can say is this. You're not a real Christian till you've been born again. That's the first thing that we say. And that leads me to my first question. Have you, have you been born again? What else does the scripture say about being a real Christian? Well, not from that passage, but from other passages of scripture, we can say you're not a real Christian till you've repented. Till you've repented. And we can particularly see this in relation to the Jewish people themselves. I mean, think of the privileges that were theirs. We're told by Paul that that to the Jews belongs the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises. Whose are the fathers? From whom is the Christ according to the flesh who is over all God blessed 
forever. All of those were the privileges of the Jews. They were God's chosen people. And yet, what does Peter say to those people or their representatives on the day of Pentecost? Men of Israel, he says, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man, delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Then he went on to say, let all Israel, all you Jewish people, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Or he might say Jesus didn't pull any punches with Nicodemus. He really cut to the quick, didn't he? And Peter didn't pull any punches with the the crowd on the day of Pentecost either, did he? And even if we thought perhaps in the back of Nicodemus' mind there was uh, a possibility of scoffing, there's not even a hint of scoffing here on that day. Instead, we read there's deep contrition because now when they heard this, They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? They've just crucified the Lord of glory. What can they possibly do? Well, they can do that which will make them real Christians. Repent, says Peter. Repent and let each of you be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You know what it means to repent? To to repent is to to do an about turn or or a U-turn. Or if you're in the army and you're marching, you, you get the order to about turn so you go in the other direction. Instead of going away from God, you turn about so you're going towards God. That's what repentance is. Turning from sin and turning to Christ. Baptism, which Peter refers to here, of course, has always been associated with and has always signified cleansing. A cleansing that equates with forgiveness. 3,000 people did just that on that first day of Pentecost. Perhaps the crowd was double that size. But the point is this, only those who accepted Peter's message, in other words, only those who repented and were baptised, became real Christians. So the second thing we can say then is this, you're not a real Christian till you've repented. And that leads me to my second question. Have you? Have you repented? What else does the scripture say about being a real Christian? You're not a real Christian till you've been born again. You're not a real Christian till you've repented. Thirdly, you're not a real Christian till you've believed. Till you've believed. Let's return to to Nicodemus. Uh, And uh, I should have said before, if you can, please have your Bibles open at John chapter 3. 
But return to Nicodemus. This man who should have known and he should have understood all of these things, he didn't. And that's, that's remarkable. Uh, I notice here, and I presume it's the same with the, the Bibles you've got there, the Pew Bibles, that you've got what are called these red letter editions. So the words of Jesus are printed in red. Now, you may find, well, this one here has the red letters finish at the end of verse 21. There are others where the red letters finish at the end of verse 15. Because there's some conversation between different uh, translators and interpreters about who actually said verses 16 to 21. Are they the words of Jesus personally? Did Jesus say it? Or are they the words of John, the writer of the gospel? Well, you could argue about that, but brethren, it makes no difference to the truth, to the truth of what is said there. But I wonder, as as we read John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21, whether you whether you notice the word that binds all the thoughts together in those 21 verses, the word that, that, that occurs more often than any other, uh, and of course I'm not talking about and and the, but there's a word there that occurs more often than any other. And it's the word believe or believes. You see, you're not a real Christian till you believe. But it's not just a matter of believing anything. It's not a matter of saying, I have faith in faith, or or some people say. Because a real Christian believes specific truths. Well, let me ask, what are some of those truths? Well, again, if we look at this passage here in front of us, if you look at verse 11, believing uh, includes accepting the testimony or the witness of Jesus. In verse 12, The believing that we're talking about here includes believing what Jesus says about earthly things and heavenly things. In verses 14 and 15, the believing we have in mind here is is believing in Jesus, believing that believing in Jesus, the Son of Man, results in receiving eternal life. And, of course, the wonderful verse 16, uh, the believing we're talking about here means believing that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then in verse 18, uh, the belief we have in mind here is the believing, that means the believing in Jesus removes judgment and condemnation. By way of summary, by way of summary, uh, the believing that makes you a real Christian is believing in Jesus himself, in who he is and in what he has done. And just who is Jesus? If you went out and had a survey in the the town, you'd get all sorts of answers. But who is Jesus? According to the scriptures, well, he's God's son. And as such, he is infinite, eternal and unchangeable in his being, in his wisdom, in his power, in his holiness, in his justice, in his goodness and his truth. That's the Jesus we're talking about. He's God's son, but he's also truly a man. And he became such by taking to himself a body and a soul 
like ours. So Jesus was born in the natural way as you and I were. But because he's truly God and truly man, he's both God and man. He's not half and half. He's fully and truly God and he's fully and truly man. He has two distinct natures, but he's in one person. That's what the real Christian believes about the person of Jesus. Not just some great teacher or wonder worker, but God's son and truly man. But it's not just what, who Jesus is that a real Christian believes, it, but it's what he's done. And Jesus has done for us what we needed to do but could not do for ourselves. And so Jesus is a prophet. Jesus fills the office of a prophet. And what was the office of a prophet? Well, a prophet was to reveal by God's word and God's spirit the will of God for our salvation. And who does that better than Jesus? There were many prophets, yes, but Jesus is the prophet. But Jesus is also a priest, and he fills the office of a priest. And how does he do that? Well, he offered up himself, offered up himself as a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice and to reconcile us to God. That was the purpose of the priesthood. But Jesus is not just a priest. Jesus is the great high priest. Jesus is a prophet, the prophet. Jesus is the great high priest. But again, that's not all. Jesus is the king and he fulfills the office of a king. And what's a king supposed to do? Well, he makes his people his willing subjects. He rules over them and defends them. And he restrains and conquers all their enemies and all his enemies. So it's very appropriate, isn't it, that Jesus is called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's what a real Christian believes about the work of Jesus. And so the third thing we can say is this. You're not a real Christian till you believe that Jesus is who the Bible declares him to be. And you believe that what Jesus has done He has done for you personally. That's my third question. Is that true for you? Is that true for you? The people of Mount Isa say you're not a real Aussie till you've been to the Isa. And as in the last uh, two and a bit years, as Barbara and I have travelled around to different places, as we have come here to Kerrang!, uh, the people of uh, Broken Hill or Alice Springs or Mildura or Moree or Goulburn or Epping or Rochester, wherever we've been in the last two or so years, they might all say the same thing. And if this was the first time that Barbara and I had ever been to Kerrang, you might say, well, look, it's only since you arrived here in Kerrang that you're real Aussies. And we could apply that thinking to other situations as well, couldn't we? You know, you could say you're not a real farmer till you know, you've gone through the floods you've gone through. Or you're not a real sailor until you've gone around the world single-handed. Or you're not a real woman till I'm not going to suggest. <laughs> uh, you're not a real man till 
something. You could come up with all sorts of things. The arguments could go on forever. I understand that back in March when uh, uh, Andrew Bray was here, you celebrated the Lord's Supper. And the Apostle Paul talks about celebrating the Supper in a worthy manner. And who can celebrate the Supper in a worthy manner except those who are real Christians, those who are born again and repentant and believing Christians. And he also writes, when he touches upon that, about examining ourselves before partaking of the bread and the wine. And surely these three truths would be a starting point in examining ourselves. Have I been born again? Have I repented? Have I believed? But look, I don't want to finish negatively. I want to finish positively. So let me put it this way. You're a real Christian. You are a real Christian when you've been born again. You are a real Christian when you've repented. You are a real Christian when you've believed in Jesus. But I do want to finish with a question. And my final question is this. Are these things true of you? Are they true of you? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for these words which uh, the Lord Jesus spoke to Nicodemus as they make it so clear that it's not uh, because of who we are or what we've done that we can be Christians, but because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done. And, O Lord, we would ask that it may be true for each of us here, from the youngest to the oldest, wherever we've travelled, wherever we've been, wherever we live, Lord, that we might be genuinely your people, people who have been born again by the work of your Spirit, people who have recognised our sin and repented of it, people who have seen the Lord Jesus for who he really is, and placed our trust in him. O Lord, grant that it may be true for each one. And we pray as always, in Jesus' name. Amen.